0: Well, everybody, we did it. We survived 2020. Yes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Balls Over the Top, first podcast of 2021. I'm Michael Rock.
1: And I'm Brendan Collins. And yes, welcome to the new year, the new Balls Over the Top podcast.
0: Yeah, we're pretty excited. We're pretty excited to get out of that year. Hopefully uh, start to get back to some semblance of normal. This year, get back on the right track with a lot of things. And we have a lot of sports to talk about, so we're just going to kind of jump right into things. The one sport that just kind of keeps chugging along, seems like no matter what time of year. And it's where we get our namesake. we got soccer to start with. We're going to start with some international football here. And we're going to start with the Premier League, where they continue. They have, obviously, Big Boxing Day. We talked some about that. And then... Some big games during the week, you know, they're advertising it, burned into my memory, the NBC advertisements. Festive fixtures, 40 matches in 17 days. But we're not getting all 40 matches, are we? Nope. Another match postponed because of the COVID-19 outbreak in the Premier League. Burnley versus Fulham was bumped because of the outbreak. I believe it's on Fulham. Uh Yeah, Fulham's struggling with the outbreak
1: at the moment.
0: So... That's obviously a big blow. You know, they insist they are not going to need to pause. They're going to be able to just keep chugging along. It's got to be pretty tough. You know, I imagine some of the teams up at the top may be able to deal with it. You know, we just saw Manchester City. We just saw Manchester City handle Chelsea quite easily. Yes. Despite having five players in COVID quarantine protocols. And so some of the big clubs, they have the depth, you know, the, the depth in their lineup to overcome the personnel loss but some of these mid-table and lower table teams if they lose some of their starters or some of their significant contributors I mean it could be devastating it could be the difference in possibly staying in the league or being relegated
1: yeah it could it could really easily spell disaster for for several of these clubs
0: you know a team like Fulham if they're forced back into action without Being at full strength. Yeah, going deep into their reserves. It's not going to be pretty, especially, you know, having to play multiple matches in a week when they're playing makeup matches for these postponements. The the FA needs to be very careful about how they manage this, how they tread, you know, navigate. Uh, It's a tricky situation. I understand it. And sport keeps a lot of people going. And, you know, imagine how difficult this quarantine would be for us if we didn't have sports to talk about and you know this podcast to keep us going yeah it's a tough time and they want to keep it going but the safety of the players and the staff needs to be the priority here and it's kind of hard to imagine or it feels almost cheapened mm-hmm. if we see the reaches of the pandemic and the or you know the reaches of the virus impacting the product we get on the field therefore impacting the results and possibly you know rearing its head in where these teams are playing next year. Yeah,
1: and you know putting a whole asterisk on the competition of it being a shortened season due to the pandemic. I mean, you know history always kind of has a way of writing its its way into into sports big time events always wind up impacting the game as a whole but We're seeing it right now in in the Premier League, and it's going to be a tough, it's going to be an adjustment. Uh, But I I hope we see these clubs get back to it and get through it.
0: Yeah, so we had a couple interesting results worth noting, other than the postponement, obviously. The teams that did play, we saw Manchester United surge up into second place with a victory over Aston Villa 2-1. We saw the Spurs get back on track after kind of slipping up over the past few weeks. With a 3-0 victory over Leeds, Arsenal came out roaring, and again, seems like they're back on track after their major skid with a b- big 4-0 victory over West Brom. In a closer match, Newcastle and Leicester, it was, a, it was a little bit of a nail-biter, but Leicester comes out 2-1 ahead, and really, Newcastle, I imagine, really is disappointed with themselves. They want to be higher in the table right now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but... It just goes to show how competitive it is this year. I mean, there are a, there are more than a dozen really good teams in the Premier League this season, and any given weekend, you know, it, it would be nothing. You know, I know the Spurs won three to nil over Leeds, but like it would have been nothing to have seen Leeds come out and force a two two draw or, or get the upset win, or you know, again talking here, Newcastle against Leicester, it, you know the talent that Newcastle has and the ability they have to kind of get results, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been shocking to see this match end in a 1-1 draw. Or, you know. And so even when it's not top table against top table, we see shocking results. And I think we saw that in the Liverpool match. I mean, the Liverpool sitting at the top of the table drops points against Southampton, who were sitting pretty much dead center, ninth. They managed the upset victory over Liverpool.
1: Yeah. Danny Yang stealing the spotlight in the second minute, and just they held on. Yeah, it was
0: enough. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Moving over into the Bundesliga. I know this is your favorite league to talk about. It was a pretty interesting weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, at the top of the table, we see Bayern Leverkusen slipping up as they travel to Eintracht Frankfurt, dropping points 2-1. In
0: and in a,
1: Kind of a rough loss.
0: Oh, yeah. I would agree strongly that this was a rough loss. Rough loss for me as well. I really thought Leverkusen was going to pull this one out, ended up being the only leg of a like 13 game parlay that I would have yeah. that, you know that I didn't hit. It was uh it was a tough one to watch for me. Beautiful backheel goal early in the first half. Leverkusen really just looked like they were going to come out and run away with it, but then Frankfurt gets back on the horse yeah. and uh, comes back strong.
1: And for, Well, and Frankfurt's one of those weird teams where they play up to the level of their competition, but they also play down to the level of the competition, where them being right at the mid-table spot in, in ninth place, they're a frustrating team to go up against because they do have the goal-scoring ability, but there's also a lot of times where it just doesn't show up. But we can move on to a team that, has not showed up all season and really is showing no signs. Hertha in 14th takes the three 0 victory against dead last Schalke in at 18th spot Schalke still winless on the season without points in their last five games. It's been a brutal slog for the Shalka side and we've been talking about it nonstop but it's it's the the skid just continually
0: continually getting worse. Yeah, you know, you keep on expecting the bleeding to stop, and it doesn't. You know, they're a historic side. It's a it's a club with great character, and it's embarrassing to see them going out like this. You hope they can get back on track and, at some point, string together a couple of results, and, and you know, find themselves even if even if they end up relegated, as long as they make it close. Or you know, give some sort of momentum to show it's going to be a one and done in the Bundesliga 2 and then back up top. You know, this is just we we don't want to see them go the way of some of the other big German clubs that just kind of drift into obscurity after they stop getting the results
1: mm-hmm. and stop feeding talent through the shakeup. Is an important part of the Bundesliga, and when you don't have successful transfers. Routinely, it really it comes back to bite you. But we can move on. We saw Red Bull Leipzig get the 1-0 result on the road to VFB Stuskart. Uh Interesting game in this one. Emil Forsberg misses from the spot early in the first half, and it took quite a bit of the second half to get that first goal in this game. Leipzig's offense is still kind of struggling. They haven't been able to put goals away on net, and I think the whole left-by team of earner and that, side is really showing
0: well and you know it seems like maybe Timo Werner is kind of aching for a simpler time because he's been struggling at Chelsea and you know I don't know if it's just the Premier League and how you know locked down the defense is there and the physicality that there is there or you know whether it's the way he's being utilized and the fact I know he is playing a little bit more out wide now because whether it be Tammy Abraham or or Olivier Giroud He's been, you know, kind of the smaller guy, less of the target man, so they put him outside to provide a little bit of speed and width. But it seems like Timo Werner is not really clicking right now, despite some early success, and it seems like Leipzig really hasn't found that replacement for that spark plug that he used to just provide for that entire offense. Elsewhere, we saw a couple of interesting matches. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, at least one interesting match, I'd say. Bayern Munich took on Mainz, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even really worth consideration. I mean, it was a thrashing. It wasn't even... I know Mainz was able to put away two goals, which is they, impressive. And, but, well,
1: and they went up first.
0: Yeah, but it, it, it's still... the Once the machine got rolling you could tell they were just going to be unstoppable. Yeah,
1: you can't stop the steamroller Mm. that Bayern's offense can be.
0: But the match that had more of my attention, and really, I'm sure, more of your attention Mm -hmm. as well, 5th place Dortmund taking on 4th place Wolfsburg. Obviously, Dortmund had a little bit of a tough time. Skid, firing a manager. Yeah, with the absence of their young starlet, Erling Holland. But now he's back. Yes. They're back from their little holiday break. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they're right back on the horse.
1: Yes, getting the 2 0 result and really getting it from the people who have been struggling for the longest time. We got it from Akanji, the center back, who, Swiss center back, has not played well, hasn't transitioned well into defense, has shown flashes, but has struggled quite a bit. And then also Jaden Sancho, who. You know, after the Man U transfer rumors of the past summer, and then not going, and then his value plummeting as he performed terribly this season, looking absolutely lost after playing so well last season. I mean, it's been a very chaotic Dortmund side. Marco Royce isn't what he used to be. I hate Julian Brandt so much. I don't like. I would love to see him get the club money on a transfer. Anything, any profitable transfer on that would be a a welcome deal in my eyes. But yeah, it's also, we've had good flashes. We've had Ralph, who's been performing well in the left back, left mid spot. We have Reyna, who's been playing well as the attack mid, the American in that side.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely have a lot of stuff to build on, but it was good to get this win to kind of stop that bleeding yeah. and get back on track.
1: It's a tough Wolfsburg side. They have a very good defense, and they've been scoring quite a bit. Vegas has been on a tear this season.
0: In La Liga, we saw a handful of results that I think were kind of par for the course. Yeah, top of the Nothing table staying surprising. strong. Yeah, I, I we honestly saw that among La Liga and the Serie A. But starting with in Spain, Sevilla was actually held to a 1-1 draw against Real Betis. But aside from that, Real Madrid, up in second place, managed a 2-0 victory over Celta Vigo. And their crosstown rivals, Atletico Madrid, kept pace to stay atop of the table with a 2-1 victory over Alves. We did see Real Sociedad drop some more points, which they've just been dropping points like crazy of late. hmm as they were held to a 1-1 draw against Osasuna.
1: Yeah, a relegation zone squad. Yeah,
0: and speaking of relegation zone squads, we saw Barcelona barely squeak out a 1-0 victory over SD Huesca.
1: Yes, getting it from Frankie de Jong.
0: Yeah, Frankie de Jong, which, I mean, much needed for him, much needed for that whole team. Hopefully it sparks something because that side has just been so uninspired, sitting at 8th place right now. Uh, just totally unfamiliar territory. You know, it's an exciting season when Barcelona is playing well. Absolutely. But in the Serie A, we saw the top, you know, the strong teams pretty much stay exactly where you'd expect them to. Inter started off the Sunday with a thrashing of FC Croton with a six to two victory. Oof! And they were really just impressive. Honestly, Romelu Lukaku has been playing phenomenally. Uh, Latar Martinez has been playing great. I mean, this whole inter-side is really clicking right now. I'm. It's curious... It'll be curious to see how they play, you know, against some of the big clubs, because they have kind of had the hiccups there. Obviously, they crashed out of European competition very early. But Antonio Conte has said all along, his focus is the domestic cup, and... With Juvenus struggling most of this season, or at least for the early part of this season for sure, it's a totally up for grabs. So mm-hmm. they obviously wanted to make a statement coming back from the short winter break and did so. Elsewhere, we saw Roma with the 1-0 victory over Sampdoria. Benavito was beaten 2-0 by the top of the table AC Milan. And then Juvenus sitting at 6th right now. I imagine not for long. They're kind of getting into it. It seems like rounding into form right now. Mm-hmm. F- solid 4-1 victory over Udinese. Mm-hmm. So we saw a lot at the top of the table. One match we did not mention in here is Lazio dropped the ball in the second half after carrying a 1-0 victory into halftime, conceded, end up drawing 1-1, and really they become the really standalone st- big name in Italy this weekend that didn't manage a result And that drops points. But we're going to move over to the MLS. and
1: Yes, so the MLS, not a lot of great news coming out of the MLS. Early in this week, we found out the MLS is going to enact the force majeure clause in the current CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement with the MLS Players Association, citing the pandemic hardships force majeure obviously is a legal term citing unforeseen circumstances like that of the pandemic the mls obviously reporting 1 billion in losses this year money's tight the league's expanding it's been aggressive the tv contracts are in the millions of dollars not in the billions of dollars like we have with the other leagues mls is On a little bit of hard times, forcing this clause to go in effect though and bring the players back to the table in the off season doesn't seem like the best move. Players already took a pretty big licking to go into the bubble, although the league ate a lot of those costs. It'll be interesting to see where this contract negotiation of the CBA winds up taking this MLS season.
0: Yeah, I mean it's obviously a concerning time for a lot of businesses. A lot of entities, a lot of people have a pretty uncertain future, especially in the entertainment industry, these sporting businesses. So many of these teams relied on the in-person, you know, the gate revenues. They're not seeing any of that now. I imagine a lot of their sponsorship revenues are cut because they sell so much signage in the stadium and, you know, X, Y, and Z of, you know, Everything was sponsored by everything. Yeah. you know what I mean and and without that, we we see major decreases, I mean, in two of their biggest revenue points. And so the fact that they're expected to still maintain an incredible expenditure, like the players' salaries, which I imagine I imagine players salaries in the MLS probably approaches somewhere near thirty to forty percent their mm-hmm. of their budget. I'm totally estimating that here. You know, the fact that they're probably missing out on a good 30 to 40% of their budget and expected to then still totally not scale back at all on that operation when other things like their leases with their buildings or their travel expenses or...
1: Training facility. All
0: of that stuff is still going to be at the same price it was at. I mean, something's got to give. So Mm -hmm. I, I understand the struggle here, but obviously you don't like to see... You don't like to see this in a league that, you know, we constantly are talking about how impressed we are with the growth, mm-hmm. development, with the expansion and the new legs kind of sprouting out of this league every day, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to see that take a big hit and we don't want to see that take a step backwards. No.
1: Like it to see it in its top form. Speaking of trying to get to top form, the Brazilian international known as Lincoln is looking to join FC Cincinnati on a loan with option to buy from the Brazilian club Flamencos. 20-year-old, impressed on Brazilian's youth levels, but hasn't made first-team minutes with the Flamencos side, and he's looking to resurrect his career in the MLS. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's definitely, you know, a big shift, in the reputation, it seems like, that this league has had. I mean, we have seen it occasionally, you know, those kind of stars that fizzle out, that try and get it going again in the MLS, you like know. Like Giovinco. Or, or Freddie Adu, even, mm-hmm. you know. But it's going to be exciting, you know, and, and they we do see it sometimes. Carlos Vela, even, was mm-hmm. kind of middling, middle of the pack. You know, good, never great type player, and, and I think there's a lot of those. I mean, obviously, there's the legends that went to the MLS, the Pierlos, the David Villas, mm-hmm. the Beckham. Drogba. Drogba. You know. But there's also that big group of guy that was kind of the journeyman that then goes to the MLS and has a solid, you know, the right Phillips. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's just guys who were maybe going to flounder around either mid-to-low table teams or backups places or lower leagues even and mm-hmm. made a home for themselves in this up and coming league. I mean it, there's now the shift. It seems like almost to young guys, I mean 20 years old, you he's still young enough you couldn't even he would still be labeled a prospect. Yeah. in a lot of in a lot of systems. Absolutely. And so I, I totally love the idea. I mean, again, if he's not good enough for the minutes, he won't get the minutes. Right. This is a league now that you got to be good enough to play. But if he's good enough to play and can tap into something where, you know, if he's good enough to play and then shines, mm-hmm. he could get that career right back on track and, you know, suddenly find himself moving back over to Europe, over to Austria, over to England, over to Spain, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Germany, wherever.
0: Exactly. Wherever you can find a home. So, I love the idea of it, and I think it would be great, but, you know, we're not going to see this kind of talent coming over if the league is not paying players or, or, you know, trying to switch terms of things. So, obviously, the CBA will be the primary focus as things are moving forward. But there is some positive to this. I mean, I imagine... We'll probably see a lot of movement the next few weeks with the European transfer window now opening. The MLS is now becoming a more and more feasible option Yeah. for European clubs to find talent, usually on the cheap.
1: Yeah, normally good value or, You know, at a bargain. Mm-hmm.
0: And we might see a handful of players move to try and replenish Absolutely. some of that lost cash. We're seeing a lot of these values go up, and I think an example of this is uh, Anthony Fontana.
1: Yeah, I mean Anthony Fontana was uh, I think tenth in this this year's MLS uh, rankings of most improved. He went up to twenty two million in transfer value up. Two point two. Two point two. I'm sorry. What did I say? Twenty two. Yeah. Who? My bad. No, he's worth two point two. Impressive nonetheless, especially considering he was in the. 500,000 when the season began.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like playing a game of FIFA. Absolutely. I mean? Getting to watch these values just go up right in front of our eyes. We also saw Mark McKenzie go up. EBK, he, he was 25th in value overall in the league. So, you know, it, it's just good to see these values increase. Mm-hmm. Good to see the league as a whole being given more respect. Yeah. You know, putting some respect on the name. Absolutely. And It's
1: becoming an actual, actual brand.
0: Yeah, so hopefully they can keep that momentum going despite these financial hiccups. It would be a shame to see such a good product start to diminish uh, because of the pandemic, uh, you know. Yeah, because of the outside hardship. And I understand that the league operates on much thinner margins, but, you know, hopefully, even if it comes to figuring something out with with ESPN, you know, given they just had that new partnership with ESPN or who knows – there could be some form of avenue here for them to, to find some form of middle ground. Absolutely. There's definitely something in it for them, for sure. But we are going to move over to some of the other leagues that are currently playing or maybe about to start. We're going to start with the National Basketball Association. The NBA is in full swing now. It's only like a week in, but maybe a week and a half. But, boy, it, it feels like it's season already. Yeah. Uh, the Sixers, hopefully they carry this through midseason, have started out as one of the hottest teams in the league. I mean, that's what I want to get to right away. Yeah, uh, you know,
1: we should jump right on it.
0: That we, We've been following them the closest, obviously, and Doc Rivers has these boys playing. Now, that being said, regular season basketball, we're going to obviously have to wait and see. We need these guys to stay healthy mm-hmm. through this season, and we need them to bring it in the playoffs. But we've already seen more creativity. It seems
1: mm-hmm.
0: more defensive awareness, even though not necessarily by a lot. They've been really good defensively. I yeah, mean, that's right never now been their are, problem. They are the best defensive team in the league right now. Though. Right
1: now, right now their defense is it's one of the best it's ever been. But it's it's not that this has been a chronic problem for the team where they haven't played defense well. Yeah,
0: and but I think the big notice or the the big notice that I've changed. The big change that I've noticed has been the turnovers. Uh-huh. It seems like Brett Brown's team, a signature of Brett Brown's team, whether it was the process or the f- supposedly the finished product, or even if we're basing it off of the best team we ever, you know, had, which which was that team that lost to Kawhi, uh-huh.
1: the quadruple doink.
0: Yeah, like it. The the. The way that they were reckless with the ball Mm -hmm. was just astonishing. I mean, they would turn the ball over a freakish amount. Uh, You'd be watching some games; it would be like, "Oh, it's the Sixers' twenty-third turnover," and they would be like, "The other team has like six. You know what I mean? It Mm -hmm. it was just astronomical that they were a competitive team that was as reckless with the ball as they were. And I feel like Doc Rivers has done an incredible job. Yes, you know what? Maybe I don't. I don't know if it's the pick and roll game, which has evolved, Mm -hmm. or. If it's just the sharpshooters that they've added, you know Danny Green and 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 Seth Curry making a big difference, mm-hmm. but and obviously Tyrese Maxey and and Thibaults maturing and and, and Shake Milton Shake Milton really coming into form yeah. Himself. yeah you know so I don't want to be you know belittle or or diminish the. ...input that those guys have. The
1: individual, but yeah, no, it's been it's been across the board a much better brand of football. And uh, Doc Rivers has really been getting the most out of Tobias Harris. I mean, Tobias Harris gets named Player of the Week, Conference Player of the Week.
0: Yeah, and really we've seen him looking like Tobias Harris of old, you know, yeah, looking like... The, the promised the, to Tobias the, Harris. The Tobias Harris that we gave up everything we gave up for and... Sign, you know, max contract to harris, mm-hmm. so that's huge. You know, we hope they can keep riding this form. I mean, it's definitely the east is going to be tougher than it's been in a while, yes. And we can maybe get to these other teams in a second. But you know, the nets are playing really good basketball, the bucks are playing really good basketball. Mm-hmm. I expect the heat to be competitive again, obviously, with Jimmy Butler when he's you know in full form. Mm-hmm. And so
1: Cleveland gives nothing up for free. Yeah, uh, you like, know, uh, the like the at the bo- at the bottom even it's not like it's Toronto softies. is gonna be
0: tough still. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of competition in the East here and I am confident though obviously I'll, we didn't even mention Boston, right but you know I'm confident that we're gonna be able to stay competitive, stay, for the most part, dominant, and find ourselves, you know, well seated. Well seated coming into the playoffs. Yeah. But we are going to look out west for our next topic here, and that is at the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have been a just team-possessed. You know, they kind of started it at the end of last year, yeah, you know, in, in the, the bubble. bubble. They went undefeated in the bubble. But still missed the playoffs. Still missed the playoffs because of the way that the seeding situation worked. I mean, the teams ahead of them still played well enough to stave them off. Mm -hmm. And yet, they go out and they add Chris Paul coming off a phenomenal season for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm -hmm. A team that he did pull into the playoffs. And suddenly, they're dominant. I mean, DeAndre Ayton's having a phenomenal season down low. I mean, you know, there's a reason why he was a top pick and dominant big man. Yeah. We we know how those work. Yes. Big fans. Devin Booker, who, for the last few years, has been one of the most electrifying guards. I mean, he's been one of those guys who can kind of do it all himself and now that he hasn't had to he's been able to elevate his game even more mm-hmm. and then you add Chris Paul and his sharp shooting his distribution his veteran smarts and leadership abilities and mm-hmm. suddenly that's a team that's just doing a lot of really solid work i mean they're doing the little things right they're they're winning on the boards our boy board, Dario is out there
1: absolutely lighting it up for him on the on the
0: rebound side so it's definitely something that we We'll keep an eye on. I don't expect them to stay up top. I mean, the Lakers, the Clippers. Yeah. There's a lot of teams in the West. The Nuggets, the Jazz, exactly. Yeah. You know, even New Orleans looks really good this year. They're going to make some noise. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's going to be tough to stay up there, but they've been playing extremely well, and they've been very impressive so far.
0: So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. Another team that's going to be worth keeping an eye on, really, I have no idea what they're going to do, is... The Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. you know, they're a team that's been kind of in no-man's land since that finals defeat a couple of years ago, where it felt like their whole team got hurt. Then KD leaves.
1: Mm-hmm. Then They have pretty good luck in the lottery. Yeah,
0: but Steph gets hurt last year, so the, and they were without Klay Thompson for the whole year. Mm-hmm. They have some good lottery luck, but again, not necessarily luck. They, they really were bad last year and yeah. earned a top pick. And they end up getting James Weissman, who's been... Really phenomenal. I mean, a dominant center, good offensively. He's been, you know, had a little bit of his growing pains, but pains, but is at least in this early percentage of the season done so far, far and away yeah. the leading candidate for rookie of the year. I mean, yeah. looks not very even... much
1: as advertised.
0: Exactly, and so he's been a ton of fun to watch with Steph. With they still have uh, Draymond Green. They have Andrew Wiggins, who's honestly been having. Pretty solid year so far, Mm -hmm. and you know that's a Golden State team that was a perennial, almost you could pencil them into the finals, or almost pencil them in as the champion for a few years there. Yeah, Steve Kerr's still a great coach. Yeah, still a great coach. And you know, Steph shows that he's still. Elite mm-hmm. as he went off for sixty-two points last night against the Portland Trail Blazers, a career high, by the way, for Steph Curry. So mm-hmm. still balling out. You know, it's a real shame that Klay Thompson got injured again in the preseason, is yeah. missing this whole season. Because I'm curious how this team would have looked, you know, with a healthy Clay, with the Splash Brothers in full effect, and a high young rookie. Exactly. So. They're going to continue to build on that, and I would not be shocked to see them working their way into the playoffs Absolutely, with the lineup they have even now. Yeah,
1: and with the, the possibility of those playoffs getting expanded with that little play-in series that they, they picked up last year.
0: Exactly. Speaking of the old Splash Brothers and that Golden State dynasty, they're the one that left mm-hmm. went to the dark side. The one who leaves. Yeah, just perennially. Kevin Durant... And the Brooklyn Nets have been a lot of fun to watch so far this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, him and K—I was going to say him and Katie. He is Katie. Him and Kyrie mm-hmm. have really just meshed well with that team, and, and the surrounding talent they've had there have exploded. I mean, unfortunately, Spencer Dinwiddie does get injured and is going to miss the season. Mm-hmm. But it's still—I mean, it's still a really solid team, even even down, down the man. Mm-hmm. We expect to see them making a ton of noise in the East, but they are going to have to be without their star man. Kevin Durant is going to be missing at least the next four days because of COVID protocols. They, he did have a potential contact exposure and is required to quarantine, to the best of my knowledge, still has not tested positive in any capacity.
1: No, there's no been no positive tests for Kevin Durant, but there just was a contact. And as a result, he does have to quarantine for the four days and administer three negative tests in a row after that. So, it is, uh, it's a little troubling to see, but he's, he is ho- seemingly healthy and hoping to get back.
0: Yeah, they want to get their prolific scorer back you know, sooner rather than later. I mean, Really, one of the most dominant players in the league, and capable of scoring anytime he's on the court. Yes, and speaking of yeah, it's a perfect segue. Right, you nailed it. Because LeBron James, yes, just establishes himself with another milestone of just parent, just dominance, like yeah. consistency, mm-hmm. night in night out. Yes, one thousand consecutive games played, in which he scored at least ten points. Insane. Yeah, it's uh, it's it unbelievable. Like, I don't even know what else to say to that. I mean, I understand 10 points. You know, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, anybody could score 10 points in the NBA, but it's like. To do it every game, though. To do it every game. We watched Joel and Bede lay an egg. The amount of times you look, even on the scoreboard, and somebody puts up a six burger, or a seven burger, or an eight burger. You know yeah, what I mean? like, it like, happens. Like it, and that's not by the way. Yeah, there's no shame in that. There and it's not
1: even that. that's not even meaning that the team like loses. It it might just be somebody else is super hot that night, and they're just getting fed the whole time. And just you're you're not putting your yeah, production or in. even
0: like a game where you come in for like five minutes and then you know roll your ankle and then leave the game. Yeah. Like I did, like you know, like he's played long enough in every game because a game where it's a total blowout you know, we've seen games where what was it the other night when when, the Mavericks were up by like fifty points at halftime on the on the Clippers mm-hmm. they weren't playing any other starters after like the ten minute mark of the third quarter, somebody could have easily had eight points yeah you know like it's just unbelievable. The consistency and it spans... I mean, that's that's like a decade of games. It's unreal.
1: It's, a, it's extremely impressive. But what I think was most impressive in this past week of NBA action was John Wall coming back and putting up an impressive stat line. I mean, 22 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds from the point guard spot. He's really... I mean, he's an absolute... Insane athlete in that point guard position, plays position so well, so physically, and after a two-year return, puts on a really great display.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing that's huge here is the fact that he's coming back from a blown Achilles tendon, which most people never come back from, at least never come back to the same caliber that they did. I mean, you can even look—that's what really kind of— it slowed Kobe down. Even mm-hmm. it, it slowed down. You know, look at Boogie Cousins has still hasn't really fully come back from it. No, there are concerns even that Clay might not come back from. You know, so it's really just a rough injury, and the fact that he has come back and has come back with the consistency and strength that he has is is really impressive. Yeah,
1: and it's been great. But let's move on. We've got NHL action coming back so soon. It's eleven days away, at this point. Nine days away at this point. I know, and we've got plenty of news to talk about. Leading off this NHL segment, Zdeno Chara leaves Boston after fourteen seasons, going to be joining the Capitals on a one-year deal. This is crazy. This captain of the Boston side has been—he's led them to Stanley Cups. He's been an absolute stalwart. He's haunted nightmares of many many a children in the metro division
0: yeah i mean uh, a giant in the game both literally and figuratively i mean what 6 foot 7 6 mm-hmm. foot 8 but just a, a major force for boston I, I you know i always think of him as having that crazy you know him and Shea weber with the two fastest slap shots in the league you know he has the custom made stick that's bigger than regulation because he's so tall. I mean, there's just so many fun facts about this guy, and he's a champion. I mean, you know, he was able to hoist the cup more than, you know, more than once for the Bruins. Mm. I think it's crazy that a giant like this leaves. I mean, I understand he wasn't a lifelong Bruin. He, he came from the Islanders, but you still don't usually see a person who establishes such a crazy career somewhere leave, but, you know, I don't know, maybe that's just the, the nature of Boston these days. As we see Tom Brady, you know, the year after Tom Brady left, you know, maybe he's setting a precedent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be just signs of uh, a restructuring or rebuilding of the team. Speaking of, you know, changing of captaincy and, and captaincy problems, Jonathan Tays is... Al with an undisclosed illness is going to miss the season. Really, there's no timetable for his return.
0: Yeah, they're not disclosing what it is, but they're saying it's left, leaving him drained and lethargic. You know, it's pretty crazy. Uh, no idea what's going to happen there. I mean, he's going to be missing for the whole season, it looks like. And, and you know, it, it's uh, quite a shot. One of the best players in the league, 32 years old. So... Up there and, you know, kind of getting up there in age. Mm -hmm. Don't know how many years he has left at this kind of quality of play. And uh, you never want to see a guy going out uh, not on his own terms. So we obviously wish him the best and hope he gets well soon. And hopefully he can return to the ice sooner rather than later and, you know, resume his potentially Hall of Fame career. Yes. We are going to see a return of the AHL. With twenty eight teams coming back, there were a handful that opted out: the Charlotte Checkers, Milwaukee Admirals, and Springfield Thunderbirds, all opted out, but claim they'll return next year.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And we're gonna get twenty eight teams, you know, which is huge. I mean, it's huge for the development of these guys. It's huge for the keeping guys, pretty much. Fresh and able to step in at a moment's notice in case of injuries yeah. or, or what have you. Keeping I bodies mean, ready. It's just uh, words can't describe the significance of the AHL being able to continue. And hopefully they're able to, again, you know, we're able to figure out this virus quickly and get fans back there because we know that's how those AHL teams make their money.
1: Absolutely. Get the, uh, get the fans back in the arenas Hopefully, hopefully as soon as possible. Speaking of getting back into the arena as soon as possible, Nolan Patrick, the second overall pick of the Flyers a couple years ago, is eyeing a roster spot for opening night on January 13th. Flyers forward has been out the past two seasons with a migraine issue that has left him with a little bit of vision issues on the ice. It is believed to not be hockey-related. He has a family history of issue with migraines, so it it's its own individual thing. But we're hoping to see him get back and hoping that he proves to be a very good third-line center for the Flyers' side.
0: Yeah, I mean, we obviously want to see him meet the expectations that were had of him being drafted second overall, and these injuries kind of derailed that a little bit. I mean, he's kind of had a bit of an injury history ever since he came into the league, even aside from this and we want to see him get back stay healthy obviously his health is the number 1 priority number one concern we hope he's able to overcome this but also from a fan perspective we want to see him perform and you know meet the expectations you know there were other guys drafted that year that are doing a lot more for their teams and you want to see him step up so it's an exciting story you know good to have him back Obviously, again, health is the number one concern, but we want to see what he can do as he's hitting, you know, what should be his prime years. Elsewhere, we see Vancouver getting approval from their province to host home games. We knew this was a bit of a concern. You know, the lockdown's pretty strict up there. There was some uncertainty whether or not they'd be playing any home games or if they would just have to be playing all of their games either, at a third party stadium or at one of the other teams who are in the league but they end up getting the approval are going to be able to host games. Mhm. Obviously a big step for them.
1: Yeah. Uh, having a home arena is I mean it's pretty pivotal. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. I mean most of the players live, you know, near the arena. There's obviously some comfort in it being your own training facility, you yeah. know, your own Weight room, locker your room. Your own locker room, being able to drive your own car to your own stadium yeah. and go back to your own house. And, you know, I, I mean, there's, it's huge. So, the you know, I imagine there are things off the books that, about morale and, you know, locker room energy that have to do with being at home that, you know, you can't really quantify. But... It's significant, and so we want these players to be able to, they're doing a great service for everybody by continuing to play during this pandemic. We want to see them, uh, obviously it's their job and they're getting paid, but, you know, we want it to be as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. A lot of us, we have our job, but, you know, to wake up and work from home. If you have to be traveling and going to go to a third-party stadium the whole time, like the way that Toronto had to play in Buffalo for baseball, Mm -hmm. it's just like, come on. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough for those sides. Speaking of things that are rough for both sides, Lindsey Vaughan and P.K. Subban just broke up. I know. What a shame! One of the cutest winter sport couples, probably all the time. Yeah, and apparently it seems very amicable. Though they both released statements about how much they care for each other, and this was a difficult decision, and calling off their engagement is, you know, a decision that they respect, but. Appreciate and blah blah, you know. Yeah. So it's I guess it's significant, you know. PK Subban though, at one point, you know, it wasn't he, a, he won best best defender was it, is that the Norris? Yes. Yeah. And then gets that massive contract, and then it seems like it's been shipped around since then, and mm-hmm. you know, a couple times got the big extension with Montreal, then gets traded to Nashville, then gets traded to Jersey. Pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. He's been he's he's had to travel a bit for his uh, for his job.
0: He's one of those guys I would have always loved to see in Orange and Black. Yeah, it would have been fun. He's a fun he's a fun character. But we are going to move over to you know speaking about relationships. We got a couple of other things that are a little bit a little bit outside of the fray of our normal realm of conversation. We kind of refer to it as the oddball section here. Yeah. But uh, one of them is, you know, I hate that we talk about these kids as much as we do on here. We should almost make a rule that we just don't talk about the Paul brothers on here because it just kind of makes me, kind of sours my mood. But I digress. Anthony Pettis, the retired UFC fighter, has talked about wanting to fight Jake Paul after his Mayweather fight. It's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to see these Paul kids get their faces punched in, but... Every time they win, it means that somebody who supposedly will be better at punching their faces in gets to attempt to punch their face in. So, you know, kind of want to see the buck stop with a uh, really humiliating thing that puts an end to all this chatter. Yeah, but
1: they just stop doing it because yeah. it'll end their TikTok or YouTube. Whatever, or whatever. it is
0: that the, the yeah. children watch them do.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. But I'm over, you know. Uh, as long as they're doing it, we're going to bring it up, which I guess is their goal. Yeah but in real boxing young phenom ryan garcia who i am not going to lie to you i didn't really know about i have until, no doing idea what this, this is research so yeah i let have me, no idea let you're me crack handling this, this one let me crack this egg on you ryan garcia is this young phenom He's a really considered one of the first social media like stars of boxing they're saying you know some of these guys like canelo or you know triple g and they're good at boxing but they and they have social media followers because they're good at boxing. In the same way that like, I don't know, the Sean Watson probably has a lot, or or Drew Brees Patrick have a lot Mahomes. of social. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, Ryan Garcia used social media kind of like a, a. I don't want to compare them to the Paul brothers because I'm trying to set him as the standard of. Social media. No, but, but he like,
1: it's, it's he, he has his own identity on social media, and then is also very good at boxing.
0: But like now is being lined up to potentially be one of the great. I mean, Oscar De La Hoya was saying that this kid is going to be better than Canelo Alvarez. Like like not wow. even like not even he's going to blow him out of the water. Like not you know, not the kid, words. The kid's twenty two and twenty two years old, mm. twenty one and zero with eighteen knockouts. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and, no. And he gets his victory, though, over Olympic medalist Luke Campbell. Oh, wow. Okay. Who, who hasn't been knocked down since 2012. That's a
1: long this time ago. This kid
0: knocks him out.
1: We graduated high school that then.
0: Yeah. This kid knocks him out. Just whoop, whoop, Seventh round. Boom. Clocked. Done. Uh-oh. So it was a crazy video. Definitely got to check it out. Uh, I'll show you after the after the episode. But this kid, Ryan Garcia, is going to be somebody to keep an eye on. You know, they, they're saying he might be the one that kind of saves the sport because
1: he's connecting,
0: well, he's connecting with young people in a way and developing fans in a way that, you know, almost nobody since Tyson has really been able to do. And, uh, you know, obviously he's huge in a lot of the Hispanic community. And, you know, the kid's electrifying. I mean, he, he's really... He's really uh, it's really exciting. You just said
1: obviously, and then I had to look, and I was like, oh yeah, because his name is Garcia.
0: Well, it's obviously I I shouldn't be saying obviously anymore. You call me out on it, but
1: <laughs> no, I just it just it clicked. It the was The Latino funny in my head. market though is also it, for, still for what it for what it means to boxing. Yeah, no, I totally get what you were. The
0: Latino market is still is now the biggest. Market for boxing. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. is. No, I know. And,
1: I I you know. know what you, I know what you meant. I'm. I know what you were talking about. I just just like when I was. I had to put it together myself, and I was like, "Yes, this all makes sense." What doesn't make sense is how these college football playoffs are are shaking out. I mean, obviously, we didn't see Notre Dame really coming up to
0: bat against Alabama's side, but well, they never do. I mean, Nick Saban has Brian Kelly's. Number. Yeah. Right. And the fact. It's that he, nice that he, you said number instead of the other thing that begins with N. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's just one of those things where he's just got to He's. I don't know how he still has a job, honestly, because he's shown time and time again. You know, Notre Dame is supposed to be this elite, prestigious football program that's supposed to be one doing their own thing and independent of the of the. Of the conferences. But then any time that they're actually put in the playoffs, they get smacked by Nick Saban. Like, smacked. Yeah. So bad. Molly-womped. Yeah. Just totally destroyed. And so we're not surprised, but then bring in somebody. Now, granted, I, I say this like it's easy. I was about to be like, well, then just bring in somebody who can beat Nick Saban. But, like.
1: Yeah. Which is, it's, a tall, it's a tall order for every college football coach.
0: Which, like, so I get it. But, you know, at the same time, Dabo and Clemson have have laid out a little bit of a blueprint about how you can beat Alabama, and Alabama's also not coming out with, at least not what they've considered the same, you know, the quarterback there now, who I'm forgetting, I think it's Jones, I think it's last, or is that the, no, that's the receiver, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting the name of their quarterback right now, but... He doesn't have the same, like, I wasn't hearing about this kid. The reason, this kind of proves to my point. The reason that I'm not really remembering him is because Jalen Hurts and Tua were piped. It's Mac Jones, by the way. It's Mac Jones? Yeah. Uh, My bad. Jalen Hurts and Tua were both constantly on our TVs and constantly hyped up and constantly. Mm -hmm. And I know Mac Jones had a really good year this year. He's projected to be a first-round pick now. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just—it's not like they had what was being heralded as like a all-time great. Now maybe it's just because of the short season. Yeah,
1: I mean that's—I mean that's a lot of it. Is that this has barely been a college football season? I mean they're coming into it with like what six games played.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. It just made it hard to. It just made it hard to get really hyped up. About I knew Notre what Dame the... was going to lose, and yet they didn't. It didn't seem justified. Like. Yeah. Last time Notre Dame lost, what the time they lost to Manti Teo in the championship? Wasn't that? Didn't they just get thumped by Derrick Henry? I Derrick Henry was. Henry was Ohio State. Was I don't know. I'm. I'm. Yeah, we're I'm getting. I'm not a college football savant here. I'm getting out of my. You know, yeah, we're my getting K too grade. deep. But all I remember is last time Notre Dame was in the college football championship, they played against Alabama, and it was the Manti Teo year. And they got thumped. They got absolutely destroyed. It wasn't even close. It was was embarrassment. So they got destroyed. They fall to Bama. Ohio State, though, upsets Clemson. And we are getting a Bama-Ohio State final. A weird year, obviously, after Ohio State plays like a game and a half to get into the championship game. Mm -hmm. You know, the COVID thing obviously makes it weird for everybody. But I do, there's a big part of me that feels like these are at least two of the four best teams, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, it'll be an exciting game, but I think the big thing to take out of it is that it's the end of the college career of Trevor Lawrence, which is maybe an all-time great... Of college football, yeah. All-time great college football career. I mean, it's like up there with Tebow mm-hmm. as far as college football careers, except this kid seems to have talent that will directly translate to the NFL as opposed to Tebow, which pretty much unanimously it was agreed he couldn't, and then he still got drafted in the first round, and... And it still didn't. still didn't. But, you know, a little bit of a surprising and disappointing ending for Trevor Lawrence there. And who knows, with the Jaguars set to pick first in the draft, it may be a really just start of a series of bummers for Trevor Lawrence.
1: Although uh, they do have a ton of, like, a ton of good picks, a ton of cap space. Who knows? They might actually come out on top with us. They might be able to figure something out, but we'll see. It's... It's still
0: the Jaguars. On well, speaking of quarterbacks that fizzle out, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, the old Cleveland Browns quarterback, just signed on, signed a contract to play professional football. I mean, remember, he was really been just, has been getting floating around every everywhere that a football is being thrown out. Even, like, local middle schools, I think he's trying to get on the team. He's been everywhere. Well, signed on with the FCFL, the Fan Control Football League, which... A lot of people were really confused when they saw this article. or It was said it was like a fan-based fan, fan based league. But I knew all about it. I remember telling you about this at some point. I, may, I do remember. Jocely, I you remember a little I, bit. I know exactly what this is. But I had like a verbal job offer from these guys at one point. I, they were talking to me about helping get this league set up. It's a pretty cool concept. It's worth the check out. But... It's almost like, you know, Twitch plays Pokemon.
1: Meets real-life football. Meets
0: real-life football. It's a pretty weird concept, and, you know, their CEO or, like, a president or whatever, commissioner, is a pretty cool guy. Really interesting, really innovative. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Johnny Football has anything left in the tank. I mean, it made sense for the league to try and bring in anybody who will play there, and this... Johnny Football suits the you know fits the bill, but mm-hmm. I'm more curious to see obviously where this league rolls out and you know see if I missed the boat on something that would have been something really cool because uh, they were always seemed interesting I've, obviously I say missed the boat, you know there were some there were some hurdles that needed to be cleared that just didn't end up getting cleared, but you know it was a uh, it was a cool spot and I'm, I'm curious to see where this league maps out.
1: Absolutely. It'll be very interesting to see.
0: But we're going to move over into a league that is... Oh, I thought... I, I was mixed up. I thought it was NFL. I had a segue going.
1: You could still probably have a I segue.
0: segue. I mean, this is still a league. It's way older, even. And it is an older league. Yeah. And it is more established. Yep. Major League Baseball It's having a little bit of a weird offseason. We mentioned, may have hinted towards it last week, but Cy Young finalist Yu Darvish ends up being traded... To the San Diego Padres, really solidifying their offseason is just the crazy. The greatest. Yeah, they're, they got to be really trying to pose a threat to the Dodgers in that division. And they probably will be. Speaking of the Dodgers, the Philadelphia Phillies just did a trade with them. The Phillies got pitcher Jose Alvarado. The Dodgers got Garrett Clavinger, And the Rays get Dylan Paulson plus everybody's favorite. Player to be named later. Otherwise, though, it's been a relatively quiet off season. A lot of teams, you know, we saw the Darvish move. We've mm-hmm. seen a couple of big front office moves, and other we saw teams. the Blake Snell move. But we haven't seen a lot of the big dominoes go yet. A lot of the big free agents still haven't signed, including J.T. Realmuto.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you know, I think it's a. We've seen this several years. There's been a little bit of a stalemate between the teams and the players. On wanting to dip in and open their wallets and spend big money on these free agent contracts, especially the way that things were trending. And now, with the COVID and the, again, reduced income, as we were just talking about, I mean, it is hitting every league. Even though this is an older, more established league than, like, the MLS, like we mentioned earlier, I mean, the financial implications of the virus are being felt all over the sports world. So it's not shocking that these free agents are still kind of just lingering. We do see a little bit of a sad news as Phil Hughes officially announces his retirement two years after his last pitch. The the 2010 All-Star had a 12-year career, won a World Series with the Yankees, also played with the Twins and Padres.
1: Yep. Shoulder injury, takes out another pitcher.
0: Yep. It's always a shame to see these guys not going out on their own terms and... Shockingly, it feels like baseball is among the highest. Where I feel like we see a lot of players just injuries taking them down,
1: especially pitchers.
0: Yeah, pitchers, and but even you know, guys like you know, Ryan Howard was never the same after that injury. And it happens to a lot of guys where it just seems like they fall off and careers kind of die out way quicker. But
1: new careers begin, and we're seeing that. For the Chicago Cubs, they are getting a new play-by-play announcer replacing Lynn Casper. It's John Boog
0: Scambi. Yeah, it's a big change there, obviously. I mean, play-by-play announcer is the guy you let into your home or car or whatever every night, so big big change for them, and hopefully that's a good fit. Yeah. Speaking of things that may or may not be a good fit, there's a move I'd like to see the Phillies make this off season. Yeah. Obviously we're seeing the Phillies let go of ex-Cubs pitcher and ex-World Series winner Jake Arietta, whose time in Philadelphia was a little bit up and down. Mm-hmm. We have an open spot in the pitching rotation, and with nobody in the farm really looking like they're at a point where they can step up and fill that gap, there's a lot of rumblings that the Phillies would be looking toward several cheaper options, some maybe older veteran guys who may be able to step into the rotation, and the name that caught my eye immediately is a name that rings a bell with a lot of Philadelphians. Yeah. Cole Hamels Yes. Might be available. Now, he is coming off of a year where he was only able to play one game due to a shoulder injury, but he's been a guy who otherwise has been shockingly durable. I mean, he is up there. I think he's 37, if I'm not mistaken. But could be available for the cheap. I mean, last year he played on a one-year, $18 million contract. Obviously, only starting one game last year and being injured the whole year, and in that one game having, a, like, an 8.7 ERA. I feel like there would be possibility to get him for way cheaper than that $18 million number. And, you know, if we could replace him for 3 to $4 million, maybe even $5 million, I would be... Pretty thrilled to see the old lefty come back for a farewell tour. Yeah,
1: that could be interesting to see. Cole Animals is an excellent, excellent pitcher and also a great guy. Wonderful pet wonderful uh pet charities he's run. Saving animals.
0: Good dude. But we are gonna move over to the National Football League. And we just wrapped up a wild week seventeen and therefore a wild twenty twenty regular season. Yep. We have a bunch of different things we can talk about, but we're going to start with a couple things that are actually off the field. The Las Vegas Raiders running back Josh Jacobs was just arrested for a DUI, a mere hours, after winning their last game of the season. Now, they were eliminated. They are not in the playoffs this year. But this is huge. I mean, there could be some disciplinary action. This is a guy who is considered by many to be a top five running back in the league the centerpiece of that offense, you could argue. And it's just a sign of immaturity and, I don't know, could be something that sets the career off the rails a little bit. You know, these are the types of things where, maybe I'm just looking at this from a fantasy perspective because he's on my team, but these are the types of things where, you know, he maybe gets a couple game suspension because of it, and then they draft a guy because they know they're going to need somebody to fill that Hold the first few games of the season, and then suddenly... That guy's pretty good. We're not even taking over, because, you know, Josh Jacobs was a first-round pick, but then from now on, you are a running back by committee, uh-huh. where Josh Jacobs was one of the few workhorses in the NFL that still remains. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so... Who knows? It could have implications, or this could just be a headline that... Disappears. By September, not a single person remembers. Yeah. You know, he almost has the benefit of it being the very first week of the off season, because I can't imagine they're going to come out and suspend him now and then it would almost be really weird for them to come out and suspend him in August mm-hmm. for this thing happening the first week of January. Yeah. But we're going to move on to another off-the-field thing, and that is we saw a couple of head coaches relieved of their duties either immediately or in the wake of their... Week 17 or again, 2020 season conclusions, but Adam Gase was fired from the Jets, which I don't think anybody would be surprised about. I mean, he's been pretty terrible. He's He's been bad on a bad team. But one that did raise a few eyebrows was Anthony Lynn was fired from the Los Angeles Chargers, and i got to say, I'm a little shocked. I mean, I'm not terribly shocked. We knew he was on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. We knew that this team had some expectations, but, you know, it almost seemed he was doomed from the start. They brought in Justin Herbert last year, who, granted, really impressed, but wasn't even supposed to start. And so I imagine with Terod Taylor starting, they would have kind of been a middle-of-the-pack non-playoff team. Granted, they lost a lot more games, but they were able to learn a lot about Justin Herbert and plant a lot of seeds that I imagine they'll be able to reap the benefits of yeah. in the coming years.
1: They still have a pretty uh, solid offensive unit.
0: And so I don't know, if I were the owner of the team or if I were, you know, a fan of the team or just as an independent person, I, I'm looking at that team saying 2020 was good You know what I mean? Obviously, you never feel good coming out of a losing season, but here we are, the Eagles, with a worse record than them, and more questions than answers. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Where they have fewer questions, they are still going to be drafting high and getting a good player, and they have, I think, more questions at this point now than they did at this point last year, and they're a little bit ahead of schedule because what if Tarad Taylor played for you, you went... 5-11, and 6-10, 7-9, any of those things, you don't make the playoffs. Boo-hoo. You fire Anthony Lynn, you release to Rod Taylor. Okay, we're going to hand the keys to Justin Herbert. You're kind of in no man's land. I guess now maybe they at least got that trial run out of the way with Herbert, but they still had no intentions of letting Anthony Lynn drive the car, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it just seems a, a little puzzling because... If I were looking at them, I would have thought, wow, this was a great season to build on. We have so much momentum. Things are so much better right now than I thought they would have been coming into the season. A little bit surprised to see him get fired. Yeah. I I thought there was a mutual understanding there that this was maybe a project that would have taken time. And apparently they weren't ready to give that to him. Yeah.
1: And his time was up. Also up. Doug Marone, out as Jacksonville's head coach after a one-win season.
0: Yeah, so whoever inherits that job is going to be inheriting the top overall pick, presumably for... Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. And so, sorry, I I was having a brain fart there. Another team, though, that's kind of in the middle of something, kind of in the middle of a rebuild and has now the tools to do so, the Miami Dolphins are going to need to take one more year until they can find a, kind of reap the fruits of this because they missed out on the playoffs after really just a, I don't, I don't want to say embarrassing, but I might say embarrassing collapse at the end of the season. I mean, losing a handful of games here at the end of the year, they went from looking almost like a shoe-in for the playoffs. Yeah, they went to, from like
1: 94% to zero.
0: Yeah, just in a matter of weeks, and they find themselves just... On the outside looking in, granted, again, they do have something to build on. I mean, they have two first-round picks, one of which is in the top three because of the poor season of the Houston Texans. However, they really wanted to be playing some January football, and it does not look like they have any more of those games this year. So, disappointing end to an otherwise relatively exciting season for the Miami Dolphins. Yes. But a disappointing end to a disappointing season, Yes. also took place last night. Yes, the very end of the 2020 season was brutal. As the Philadelphia Eagles really just went out with a whimper against the Washington football team. i got to say, I'm happy. I wanted the Eagles to lose that game. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, I said at the beginning of the day, best case for me would have been Giants beat Dallas, Washington beats Philly. That way, if the Giants beat Dallas, even if we won, Dallas wasn't getting in the playoffs because, let's face it, I never want Dallas in the playoffs ever. I don't care what happens. Dallas loses, but we still come out. We take the L. We kind of lay down in the latter half, second half of the game. I mean, Jalen Hurts was playing really well. We were moving the ball. We honestly looked like the better team. The defense seemed kind of hungry. They were not having a lot of success against us. And Doug Peterson kind of seemed like he was doing everything in his power to throw the game away. Uh, Again, I'm happy he did. I'm thrilled to take a much better draft pick. I said this to you multiple times. You know, we got the sixth overall pick. The other option would have been the ninth overall pick. To move up from nine to six would probably cost you like a second and a third, Mm -hmm. if not more. Yeah. So it's immense value that we gained. From losing that game, and I didn't think we owed anything to anybody. You know, if if Jalen Hurts tore his ACL that game and was then set to miss most of the twenty twenty one season, we'd be kicking ourselves. You
1: know, one, we'd be ridiculed for being so stupid for leaving him in in a meaningless exactly. game.
0: We we didn't have a lot of our key players. Yeah, we didn't have. You know, and obviously, I commend the guys that were in there. Zach Hurts. And it may have been his last game as an Eagle. Jason uh, Kelsey. Jason Kelsey may have been his last game as an Eagle. Brandon Graham on a great season. Brandon Graham had, f- capping off a great season where he gave his all. You know, the, there's a lot to hang your hat on. But I didn't get the point of risking injury to your franchise and harming yourself in the process. You're risking injury for literally no reward. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, you know, a lot of people want to poo-poo the Eagles and poo-poo Doug Peterson, and I get it. You know, you don't want to ever be playing to lose. And I don't think we were, though. I think that's why you put in Nate Sudfeld. I mean, I don't think Nate Sudfeld was intentionally throwing ducks. No. I don't think there was anybody out there giving anything less than 100% on the field.
1: Yeah. But. But I think you might as well see what you got in Nate Sudfeld again. You might as well check his development in an NFL game, right? I mean, how many live speed practices are there? No.
0: Exactly. And and you want to try and, you know, keep your players safe moving into the offseason
1: and also get let them get the seasoning. Like it, it, you have there's nothing to lose from doing that. You might as well check what you can get. We don't owe we didn't owe New York anything. Like I'm sorry that their players didn't win other games that meant that they could have won the playoffs. Why did we have to win this one?
0: Elsewhere, we did see one other front office move that we forgot to mention before. John Elway stepped away from the president of football operations job in Denver, citing things like his age and, oh, he didn't want to be that busy, but he also came out and bluntly said it was also due to the lack of success. And other than, you know, their Super Bowl victory and his time with Peyton Manning, an inability to find a starting quarterback. It'll be interesting to see if Denver is able to address that this offseason or mm-hmm. if they continue to kind of stay in this no-man's land. I mean, Drew Locke has shown glimpses, but this isn't a league that gives guys two, three, four years to blossom into the player they need to become. It's a you know result-oriented league.
1: Yeah, it's gotten uh, so quarterback-centric, too.
0: There's an abundance of capable quarterbacks right now. Obviously not good quarterbacks. There's only a handful of those, but there's an abundance of guys who could be playing every Sunday, you know. Even a guy like Gardner Minshew.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know what I mean? Especially the fact that Gardner Minshew's been stuck on a Jaguars team that's... Yeah, constantly. Exactly. Uh, and so, or, or, you know, you're going to have Carson Wentz likely available. Andy Dalton showed he still could be playing on Sundays. You know what I mean? Alex Smith now shows he could maybe be playing Sundays. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins is now available. You have Jameis Winston still chomping at the bit for a job in New Orleans. Yeah. You have, you know what I mean.
1: Marcus Mariota played well in
0: his in his showing. Exactly. There, there's, you know, Joe Flacco even looked pretty solid when he came in in for the Jets. Obviously, yeah. I don't think Joe Flacco at this point is looking for a Sunday job. You know, and every Sunday job, but you know what I mm-hmm. mean. He's- guys like Philip Rivers may be available, even though he's pondering retirement. You know, there, there's like I said, an abundance. of... Yeah. of quarterback talent right now in the NFL. Yeah, and the last thing, you know, we're talking about all these good quarterbacks that are going to be available. We're not really sure what's going to be happening here in Philadelphia. You know, we could have a whole two-hour podcast where we try and figure out what we're going to do at quarterback or even just with this roster right now and, or even be on the roster with the coaches and per- front office and everything. I mean, all the way down. But right now, Howie Roseman came out at least for today, saying he is not taking Wentz trades at the moment now, or, or not, you know, talking any Wentz trades at the moment. Now, I imagine every player is available, and especially a player who's been causing as many headaches as Carson Wentz has in recent months. Especially if he got a good offer, mm-hmm. he would have that conversation. But I think right now he's trying to set the send the message that it's not set in stone. You know, obviously. The more disruption that is seen, the further Wentz's value is driven down. So maybe he's just saying this to try and make it look like there's not as much chaos as there is. But, you know, maybe there is a possibility that the front office is considering not moving him because of the financial commitment and saying we can fix this. I mean, that's what Doug Peterson has come out and said publicly all along. Mm -hmm. And... There's maybe they're actually gonna stand, you know, st- stand by their guns there and and commit to that.
1: We we shall see. It's really tough. I mean, this has been a brutal season for Wentz. It's been his least productive. He's been among the worst of the starting quarterbacks this season. His benching is no doubt justifiable, but by the same token, you want to be a starting quarterback. It was your job. You basically just got handed the keys and then all of a sudden everything started going bad for you. Well, it'll be very interesting to see where this this quarterback drama, unavoidable in Philadelphia since since the Super Bowl. We'll have to see where it takes us.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see what this offseason turns into. You know, having the sixth overall pick in the draft is exciting. We are not a team that is used to picking early. I hope it stays that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, without needing a quarterback like we did the last time we picked this early, or without, and, you know, with there being some electrifying skill position players available, it, this is a really exciting year. You know, we, we, there's, there are potential shutdown corners available, there are game changing pass, pass rushers available. There are what they claim to be DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones esque wide receivers available. You know what I mean? The thought of having that kind of player, no matter who's a quarterback, is exciting. You know, having an elite Chase Young esque pass rusher, mm-hmm. or having a, again, DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones esque wide receiver, yeah. or. Gives your entire organization a facelift. Exactly, and and or or even that that you know, Darrell Revis type, shutdown corner, shutdown corner, yeah, the Jalen Ramsey, the you know what I mean, the mm-hmm. guy that is huge, and, and so. These are all things that we've lacked. We have not had a wide receiver like that, other than maybe To in my lifetime. We haven't had a, a cornerback like that, other than you know I was we were saying maybe Asante the other day, but Asante wasn't even a, a shutdown corner. Yeah. He was a j- really good at jumping routes, like yeah. historically good at jumping routes. Yeah. But other than that, he wasn't like. A,
1: and even then, the defense those years wasn't the best defense.
0: Exactly. He was. It was kind of a, a middling years of, yeah. of of Eagles production. You know, so it would be so exciting. You know, we haven't even had that elite pass rusher in, you know, how long? I mean, obviously, we had Reggie White, who's a franchise great, but like, what, Trent Cole? And even Trent Cole, he was like a fourth round steal that ended up just being an incredible value pick who was good. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a, like, we, you know, we didn't use a top tier pick on a freak of nature athletic specimen who just makes fools out of defensive tackles. Or offensive tackles, rather. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, It would be... So that's where I'm at with the offseason. I'm excited about that. My mindset tends to be, if you're picking in the top ten, it's pretty hard to mess up. Doesn't mean we can't. We've done it before. But, like, you know, our other top five picks of my lifetime, it's like, okay, Carson Wentz might be a bust, but he was a pretty much consensus top five pick. So I get yeah, it. And had a near-MVP season at one exactly. point. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Lane Johnson has been a really solid pick. He was a top five pick. Donovan McNabb, really solid pick, top five. Those are the only top five picks of our lifetime. Yeah. You know what I mean? So granted, this isn't top five. This is sixth. But still, for all intents and purposes, I mean, I think this is quite literally the fourth highest draft pick the Eagles have had since the new millennium, last two decades. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, McNabb was before that. So we've had Wentz at second, Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson fourth. Mm-hmm. This will be the third highest draft pick that we draft in the last two decades. So, I'm excited on that aspect alone.
1: Yeah, the quarterback stuff kind of comes. And even whoever, backseat. even the
0: fact that we're the ones making, and who knows, we might do something dumb like you know, pick some no-name guy when, or pick some other wide receiver when, for example, DK Metcalf or. Justin Jefferson are still available, but again, I just feel like because of how consensus usually those top X amount of picks are, Mm -hmm. we're likely going to hit something. And think about how many other quarterbacks need to go early. I mean, so many—Atlanta's probably taking a quarterback. Jacksonville's taking a quarterback. The Jets, at this point, could probably Probably. take a quarterback. There's going to be other teams up there— trying to draft quarterbacks, and and again, leaving the door open for us to take a premier talent. But either way, I think that'll put the end on our episode for the week. Yep,
1: that wraps it up for us here at the Balls Over the Top Podcast. As always, we are on our social medias at BOTT Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram, and this podcast is available everywhere, podcasts are available
0: absolutely we will be back with you guys on probably friday this week previewing the upcoming wild card weekend nfl games and we'll probably we're pretty excited about that because we're going to get to really dive into those games a little bit more beyond just you know spread over unders and that kind of things we're we're really going to get into the meat Oh yeah. The meat of those games, you know, given the limited docket of football that we have from this point forward, we really have the option uh, the opportunity to dissect those games to really dive into them and and get into it beyond just the glance. Yes. So keep an eye out for that. We're excited to get back with you for that. And we hope you guys had a wonderful new year and are kicking this one off on the right note.
1: Yeah. We'll talk to you later. Every everyone have a good one. See ya. See ya.